Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awakened, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. It is a dark time in the history of Israel. As it says in the title of this psalm, a psalm of David where he fled from Absalom, his son. And King David's son Absalom has craftily and deceitfully stolen the hearts of the people of Israel and incited a rebellion against his father. David and his servants are forced to flee from Jerusalem into the wilderness to escape death. Worst of all, the entire situation is David's fault. God had said because of David's murder of Uriah and adultery with Bathsheba that the sword would never depart from his house. Now, through a series of unfortunate events described in 2 Samuel chapters 13 and 14 that he handled poorly, that prophecy is coming to fruition. David is truly in a dark moment in his life, and it is in this dark hour, while on the run from his rebellious son, that David pens Psalm 3. However, Psalm 3 is not a psalm of hopelessness or despair. David had hope even in the darkest of hours, because he had placed his hope in the living God. David faces his enemies and puts aside any thought of fear, because he trusts in God to deliver him. Tonight, we will see in this overview of Psalm 3, four things. We will observe David's enemies, then David's shield, then David's resolve, and finally, David's prayer. Firstly, we see David's enemies in verse number one. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. David is being attacked by many, many enemies. Absalom's son, his wisest counselor, Ahithophel, numerous spies, and the majority of the people of Israel have all turned against him. Nearly the whole nation has turned against him, and they vastly outnumber his allies. David's enemies were numerous, and worse still, they had used to be his closest allies and friends. David loved his son Absalom, and in turn Absalom betrayed him and stole his throne. Ahithophel was David's wisest counselor, so wise that in 2 Samuel 16.23 it says, And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Ahithophel had no doubt given great advice and counsel to David in the past, and now he gave counsel to Absalom to destroy David. All the people of Israel that David fought for and risked his life to defend against the Canaanites now supported his rebellious son. The people who sang of David killing his ten thousands now serve Absalom in his rebellion. Only a few servants of Jerusalem now remain loyal to David. And the might of David's enemies has forced him to flee into the wilderness. 
David's enemies are numerous and strong. David describes what his enemies are saying in verse number two. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help from him in God, Selah. As John Phillips noted in this commentary, it is likely that David was specifically referring to Shimei in this verse. Turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 16. Second Samuel chapter 16, verses number 5 through 8, and it says, that When King David came to Baharim, behold, thence came out of a man of the family of the house of Saul, who named, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed as still as he came. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men which was on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hands of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Essentially, Shimei was saying God had abandoned David to be destroyed by Absalom. Shimei was saying David had no help or hope in deliverance by God. We see often in the scriptures how the enemies of God try to destroy his people's hope in him. The servants of Satan will often try to crush Christians' hopes in God. David writes often in other psalms about his enemies doing this. Um, one example is in Psalm 42. Psalm chapter 42, verse number 10 says, As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Um, he, here again, David's foes primarily attack David by trying to destroy his faith in God. Um, turn over real quick to Psalm 71. You see another example of this. Psalm 71, starting in verse number 10. For my enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him, persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. Here again, we see David's enemies use very similar language to the enemies in Psalm 3, trying to crush David by claiming God had abandoned him. The enemies of God have used this tactic even against the Lord Jesus himself. Um, turn over to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 41. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The chief priests mocked Jesus as he hung on the cross, saying if Jesus truly trusted in God, that God would have delivered him. We see then that the enemies of Christ will use this attack against his people to shipwreck their souls by making them lose hope in God. 
We Christians should take note of this and be on guard. It is an ancient tactic of the devil to destroy Christians by attacking their hope and faith in God. If the enemies of David and the enemies of Jesus Christ our Lord didn't hesitate to use this tactic on them, they will not hesitate to use it on you. Secondly, we see who David's shield is. After hearing me talk about the attacks of the wicked, you might ask, how do we defend ourselves from those attacks? What grounds do we have to say that we have hope in God? David answers that question for us in verse 3 of our text. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. David doesn't look to himself for hope. He looks to his shield, the Lord. The Lord God is a shield to his people. In the early Dark Ages, before the development of advanced plate armor, most European soldiers would be equipped with little body armor, mostly because it was too expensive. Um, for example, the majority of Viking raiders didn't have much more body armor than layered clothing and a helmet or a cap. Um, therefore, the most important piece of armor for a typical soldier in that time was the shield. The shield would be large enough to protect the whole body and was the main defense against injury for the warrior. David was being attacked by a vast army of traitors and conspirators who maliciously stole his throne and attacked his faith in God. But David was unfazed by these attacks because he had a mighty shield. David's shield was the Lord God. We can have hope in God because he is our shield and deliverer. Are you being assaulted by evildoers? Does Satan try to rob you of hope and peace? Then turn to the Lord God by faith, for he is a mighty shield. David continues in verse 3 by describing God as his honor. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory. The Lord God is David's glory. Charles Spurgeon said in his commentary, David knew that though he was driven from his capital in contempt and scorn, he should yet return in triumph. And by faith he looks upon God as honoring and glorifying him. Albert Barnes explained David's word as well, saying, My honor were the source of my honor. That is, he bestows upon me all the honor that I have, and it is my glory that I put my trust in him. I regard it as an honor to be permitted, in times of danger and trouble, to rely on him a sentiment in which every true child of God will unite. The enemies of David cast him out of his kingdom, and neither they nor David's subjects gave him any glory during this rebellion. But David again turns to God, acknowledging God as the source of all of his honor and glory. David ends verse 3 by acknowledging God as his hope. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of my head. Have you ever been overwhelmed by a problem or a trial in your life, and you just carry on through your day with your head low? It's a natural part of our body language for our heads to bow down whenever we might be sad or depressed or overcome with grief. David experienced this emotion quite a lot during his life. You don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 38, in verse 6, it says, I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly, I go mourning all the day long. And in Psalm 57, verse 6, it says, They have prepared a net for my steps, my soul is bowed down, they have digged a pit for me in the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. Selah. 
David was bowed down with grief many times in his life, but the one who lifted up his head again was the Lord. The Lord gave David hope during his trials and gave him the strength to lift up his head. The Lord is good to his people, and he blesses them with hope in their suffering. Despite the attacks of all his enemies, David was protected, honored, and raised up in hope by the Lord. Moving on to verse 4, David cries, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. When David was in the midst of affliction and suffering at the hands of his enemies, he cried unto the Lord for help. Notice that this cry is the first action David has done in the psalm. The first thing David did whenever his enemies attacked him from all sides and tried to rob him of his hope in the Lord was to cry out to the Lord himself. It can be easy for us sometimes to pray to our Lord as sort of a last resort when all other options have failed. As the old hymn goes, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The Lord God should be who we go to first in any tribulation or trial. The God who controls all things is our hope and refuge. We ought to turn to him first whenever things go bad. David tells us the amazing reason why we should cry out to the Lord. Because as it says in verse 4, he heard me out of his holy hill. Is that not an amazing thought? The Lord God answers our prayers. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God who created everything from the largest galaxy to the smallest atom, the God who is holy and pure beyond our comprehension, not only saves us from our sins, but hears and answers our prayers to him. Think about that. <laughs> Through the cleansing power of Jesus Christ, you have a direct line to the Lord and creator of all things. And he will not only hear your prayers, but he will answer them. That is an amazing hope and comfort to all those who believe in Jesus. If we experience any trial in our lives, we ought to take some cues from David and cry out to the Lord for help. David cried out to his Lord, his shield, honor, and hope, and the Lord answered. Thirdly, we see David's resolve in verse number five. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. David resolves to do a few things in verses 5 and 6. He first resolves to rest in God. No one could blame David if he didn't sleep that night. David was being hunted, and at the time, he had no idea when or where his enemies would come from. He could be attacked at any time, and no matter where, when he would be attacked, his forces would be outnumbered. It would be understandable if David couldn't fall asleep. But David resolves to lay down and sleep. David demonstrates a total trust in God's sovereignty 
and power by laying down to sleep. David knew all things were in the hands of God. And trusting in God as his shield, he goes to sleep without worrying about being attacked by his enemies. A verse of scripture that I think will help us understand David's attitude better is the very next psalm, um, Psalm 4. In Psalm 4, in verse number 8, it says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. David knew that God alone gave him true safety from his enemies. So he trusted in God to protect him while he slept. David's act of sleeping actually serves as a perfect example of faith. Dad taught me that faith is made up of three elements, knowledge, assent, and trust. Knowledge is knowing what the truth is. Assent is agreeing with the truth. And trust is trusting in that truth. For example, having faith in the gospel can be broken down with this metric as having the knowledge Jesus died for sinners, agreeing that Jesus died for sinners, and then trusting that Jesus Christ died for you. So let's think about what David said in verse 3 of our text. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lister up of my head. David has the knowledge in his head that the Lord is a shield to his people. And in verse 3, he agrees with this truth. Verse 5 demonstrates that David then trusts in God to be his shield by going to sleep. By doing something as simple as sleeping in a dangerous time in his life, David blesses all of us with a model of what faith in God looks like in practice. Continuing in verse number five, we see that David's faith is justified. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. David goes to sleep, and when he wakes up the next morning, or he wakes up the next morning, David rejoices for waking up, knowing that the Lord sustained him through the night. The fact that God sustains his people is a much repeated teaching in scripture. Turn with me to Psalm 66. Psalm number 66, verse number 8, and it says, Oh, bless our God, ye people. And make the voice of his praise to be heard, which holdeth our soul in life, and suffereth not our feet to be moved. Here, the psalmist affirms the truth that it is God who gives life, and it is God who sustains our lives and defends us from harm. Solomon also tells us of this truth. Um, turn over with me to Proverbs chapter number 14. Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 26, and it says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. By trusting in the Lord, we Christians can know we are sustained and protected by the power of God, 
God loves his children, and he protects and sustains them by his mighty power. Perhaps you've been noticing a pattern in the psalm. David confronts his enemies and the doubts they try to sow in his mind by trusting in the Lord. David confronts his fear and shuts it down by having faith in God. We see then that the answer to killing our fears and doubts is trusting in the Lord. Are you afflicted with trials and fear you cannot go on? Trust in the Lord. He will sustain you. Are you living in a rough spot and you don't know whether you're going to get the basic necessities you need day to day? Trust in the Lord. He will sustain you. Have you sinned and you doubt if God will forgive you? Trust in the Lord. He will sustain you. Psalm 3 teaches us that the answer to our fears and doubts is to trust in the God who has saved us and will continue to sustain us all of our lives. Another point that could be made from this verse is that a lost person has no reason to hope in God to sustain him. The blessing of sustainment and protection by God apply to David because he is a child of God. The unsaved person has no reason to believe that he will be sustained or protected. Rather, the lost individual only has judgment and torment to look forward for. <clears throat> Turn over to Psalm 7. Psalm chapter 7, verse 11, it says, God judges the righteous and is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. God will not sustain or protect the lost. Rather, God will cast the wicked into eternal hellfire for their evil iniquity. As we observed this morning in Psalm 2, God will cast down and destroy the wicked who have rejected his good name. The wicked have no reason to hope that God would sustain or deliver them through trials and tribulations. The only promise the sinner has while he remains in his sin is eternal judgment. But praise be God that through the blood of Jesus Christ the righteous, any sinner can be saved from the justice they deserve. If you are lost and remain lost, you will die and go to hell. But if you repent of your wickedness, and trust in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, God will save you and sustain your soul unto eternal life. Continuing in verse 6, we see the other resolution that David made. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Resting in God to protect him, David proclaims he will not fear his enemies, even if they number in the tens of thousands. David resolved not to, to not fear his enemies on earth because his father in heaven was his protector. David echoes the sentiment he has here in another psalm. Um, you don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 27, in verses 1 through 3, it says, A psalm of David, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat at my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. There is no reason for the child of God to fear his enemies on earth. A child of God doesn't have to be afraid of men, because God is his strength and salvation. As it says in Romans 8.31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? David's resolve to remain unafraid of his enemies, no matter how vast and powerful they were, shows us a way that we can and should trust in God. Our enemies, no matter how numerous or dangerous, can do nothing outside the will of our loving Father. It doesn't matter who our enemies are, they have no power against us if God is with us. We need to remember this as this country grows more and more hostile towards our Lord. With the way that our society has been degrading over the past few years, it seems like it's only a matter of time until lawmakers will try to make the practice of Christianity and the holding of Christian beliefs discriminatory and illegal. Now that may not happen, and that is certainly something that we should be praying about. However, it is a fact that this country is growing more and more hostile towards our Lord and his people. We need to trust in God and stand for his gospel no matter who our enemies are in the future. It doesn't matter if our enemies are some neighbors or the government or the whole world. We can and should be like David and resolve to trust in God. Fourthly, we see David's prayer in verse 7 of our text. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone, thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. One thing we can learn from this verse is to trust God for what he has done for us. David started the psalm by praying to the Lord, and we see that David ends the psalm with a prayer. David appeals directly to God to arise and save him. David, having previously said that the Lord is his shield and putting his trust in him, now makes a plea to the Lord to save him from Absalom and his armies. What reason does David ask God to save him? David calls on God to save him because, as it says, Thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. David trusted in God to save him from his enemies because God had broken his enemies many times before. The Lord God had given David the strength to fight the lion and the bear and Goliath in his youth. And over the course of David's life, God crushed countless numbers of David's enemies. David recognized that it was the Lord who defeated all his enemies. And so David prayed unto God to deliver him once again. David trusted in God to crush the teeth of the ravenous predators who hunted him into the wilderness. We can trust God like David did because 
God has proved over and over again throughout the scriptures that he keeps his promises and protects his people. David put his trust in God to save him because God had crushed his enemies countless times before. We have an even greater library of accounts of how God was faithful to his people than even David had. We have countless points of evidence to look to and see that God is good to his people. We can know from the scriptures that God is with us, and we can be confident in our prayers to God that he hears and answers them. We, have, we can have absolute confidence that God will keep and protect his people just as David did in his darkest of hours. David explains why he turned to God in the last verse of Psalm 3. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. This verse has many different applications, one of them referring to our salvation from trials in this world. Whenever the enemies of God attack us, we must realize that only the Lord can save us. David recognizes that, and at the end of the day, it is God who saves you from distress in this world and God alone. However, I believe this verse also plainly tells us that God and God alone is sovereign in salvation. To quote Spurgeon on the matter, this verse contains the sum and substance of Calvinistic doctrine. Search scripture through and you must, if you read it with a candid mind, be persuaded that the doctrine of salvation by grace alone is the greatest doctrine of the word of God. There are many other passages of scripture that make this truth very plain. Peter and John preached this message to the Pharisees in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter number 4, starting in verse number 10. Be it not known to you all and to all the people of Israel, but by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name in heaven, there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You don't have to turn there, but another verse that makes this truth plain is from the words of Jesus himself in Psalm 4, or John 14.6, where he said, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but my me. The Bible is very clear on this doctrine. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. <clears throat> there are not many ways to salvation. There are not many different roads all leading to the same point, as some might try to suggest. <clears throat> you cannot be saved from your sins by being a good person. You cannot be saved by going to church every Sunday or donating to charity or the like. Only the grace of God can save your soul. Only by trusting in Jesus Christ to save your soul can you be pardoned from the hell you deserve. David was a man after God's own heart, 
and he knew that only God could save him. The entirety of Psalm 3, David repeatedly affirms that God is shield and savior in God alone. Verse number 8 of Psalm 3 is a great comfort to the believer. It blesses us with the knowledge that our salvations are not in our hands to keep or lose. It blesses us with the assurance that God has saved us. And no matter how many times we may fail him or how many times we are attacked by Satan, our salvation is secure. Paul summed it up, this insurance that we have in Romans 8.38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 8 of our text also comforts the believer by telling us that God's blessings are upon his people. God owed nothing to us sinners. God was under no obligation to save any of us. We deserved the wrath of the Almighty. But God chose to save us from our sins because he loved us. And he hasn't stopped with just saving us from our sins. That by itself would be marvelous and good enough. But God has chosen to bless us further, both in this life and in eternity. Every good thing in your life, from your house to your spouse, to your children, your job, your daily food, the country you live in, are all blessings that you didn't deserve, but that God gave you. God has blessed every one of us beyond measure. We ought to worship the Lord for the salvation and blessings he has bestowed to us, as David did. <coughs> One last thing I'd like to mention is that God answered David's prayer. David prayed to the Lord's salvation in Psalm 3, and God provided it. In 2 Samuel chapter 17, by the use of David's ally Hushai, the Lord saved David from being destroyed by Hithophel's plan. Then, David and Absalom's forces met in battle, and 20,000 20, men who served Absalom were slain. The battle took place in the forest, and the word of God says that the forest killed more soldiers than David's men did. Finally, Absalom's hair got tangled into a tree, and he was trapped, and Joab ran him through with darts. God answered the prayer of David. God smote David's enemies and broke their teeth. God saved David from annihilation. God was David's shield. Psalm 3 and the history attached to it help us realize that no matter how bad things may be, no matter how strong or how vast our enemies are. If we rest in God and trust in him, we can have peace and he will deliver us.
May the Lord be your shield and salvation. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for coming out tonight. And Lord willing, Dad will be back to preach for you all this Wednesday. Let's close with a word of prayer. And I'll ask Caleb to lead us in a word of prayer, please.